You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Till he comes. We're to anticipate that he could be here at any moment. Remember, Jesus appeared to the disciples, then he disappeared. Then he appeared to them again, then he would disappear. On and off now, for the next 40 days, he would do this and he would show himself to over 500 people, constantly appearing and disappearing. They didn't know when he was going to show up. Likewise, we don't know when the Lord's going to come for us. What are you doing with the time you have on earth? You know the Lord is coming back one day, so what have you done to prepare? Pastor Dave asks you today to take a close look at your life, finding the areas where you might not want Jesus to see if he were to come back today. It might be time to make a change. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 21 as he continues his message, I'm going fishing. couple days I got kind of anxious. I got kind of anxious about some things because I didn't have my eyes on Jesus. I didn't have him in my focus and him in my, my front of me. I was letting the world seep in. I was letting things seep in and this, this, all this information on overload with this coronavirus information. And it seeped in and it blocked out my sight to Jesus. Don't let that happen to you. Never take your eyes off of Jesus. Always be looking unto him. Always look to him. Peter had been called into discipleship by Jesus himself. Jesus had explained the cost of following him. But Peter was feeling low. He knew he had let the Lord down. Peter probably thought the Lord wasn't coming because of him. So he went back to his old life. Imagine if you will. Peter, back in Galilee, back by the sea, back by this beautiful, wondrous lake. They call it the Sea of Galilee, but it's actually a lake. You can imagine Peter sitting there, staring out, gazing, almost daydreaming. The sea's glistening, the waves gently crashing against the banks, the birds circling each other and crying out to each other, the smell of the fresh air, even the smell of fish in the air. This was all too familiar for him. It was all too real. The past several weeks seemed like a dream, but this was reality. This is what he knew, and yes, this is what he loved. Why not go fishing? Why not go back out there? Drop a line. Wet a line. See what happens. Why not? You know, way too often when we get to a familiar place or a familiar spot, a place from our past, And all those familiar smells and all those familiar sounds, it brings us right back. It's as if we'd never left. We can get real comfortable in a place like that. You know what I call that? I call that our default setting. You know, like when your computer crashes and it comes back and it's at the default setting, it upgrades. Out of the presence of Jesus, we go back to our default setting. We go back to the old man. 
We allow the old sins to come into our lives. Sometimes our default setting is our comfort zone. Did Peter think, you know what, I'm giving up with this discipleship stuff. I failed. I can't do this anymore. I'm going back to the old beans to make a living. I know how to do that, and I'm good at that. Sadly, sometimes our default setting is sin. Sometimes when we go backwards, we end up in sin. Remember what we read in Hebrews? The sin that so easily ensnares us. And the Greek word is really interesting, and it can be translated four ways. It can be translated easily avoided, mired, ensnaring, or dangerous. And I love what Guzik says about this. Let us lay aside. Some sins can be easily avoided, but are not. Some sins are admired, yet must be laid aside. Some sins are ensnaring, and thus especially harmful. And some sins are more dangerous than others. When this happens to us, when we get feeling this way, where we're back to the default position, if you will. I believe it's directly from the pit of hell. I believe it's directly from Satan. I believe he's laying a snare for us, like Psalm 91 calls it the snare of the fowler. I believe he's setting a trap for us. He knew Peter loved the fish. He knew that Peter was a fisherman at heart. He, he knew that. And so he lays out in front of him. He was bored. He wanted to go. Plus, there's another thing we didn't think of. I think they were hungry. I think they hadn't eaten in a while. It's a long walk from Jerusalem down to the Sea of Galilee. And I think they were hungry. I think they needed to eat to get some nourishment. There's no reason to believe that Peter's proposal was sinful. To go back. It wasn't really sinful, but it was dangerous. It was dangerous because we get back in that old lifestyle. We start hanging around with the old gang of mine. We start doing those things. How long does it take for us to slide back into the sin? It doesn't take a long time. You sit at the old crowd at the lunch table and they're all telling dirty jokes. How often do you chip in all of a sudden? Because you're back there again. Jesus had trained these guys for something far greater than fishing. He wanted them to be fishers of men. There was a harvest coming, and these men needed to be ready. He didn't want them involved in their old lives because they were born again. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything now was new. But another reason, looking back, can be dangerous is found in verse 3b of our study this morning. In verse 3b, it says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. And hence, here's the danger. Peter's a leader. They look to Peter. And others are watching him, waiting to see what he's going to do. And they will make their next move according to what he does or does not do. Peter's going fishing, and they're going with him. You know, sometimes when you're going somewhere where you shouldn't be going, others follow. Because you're you, and you'll probably be taking others with you. Let's remember this. We're being watched. And there are ones who are watching us in order to make, for them to make up their next mind where they're going. Like it or not, we are everyone's examples. Our actions should lead others to the Lord. But if you're not careful, your actions will actually lead others away from the Lord. This is a problem when you go off on your own. It's indeed sad when others are led astray because of your actions. 
It's indeed sad. So we looked at this pretty concisely here that that was Peter's wrong decision. Peter said, I'm going fishing, and it was wrong for the various reasons I said. But what if it was the right decision? What if it wasn't wrong for Peter to go? And this is what got me thinking. You know, you guys have been with me long enough. You know how my mind works. It gets tangled up there. A lot of crazy things going on up there. Sometimes it's not really pretty. My gosh. But maybe, just maybe, Peter was busying himself as he waited for the Lord. Maybe he was keeping himself busy as he was waiting for the Lord. You know, one of my favorite verses that I've quoted many times from this podium is found in Luke 19, 13. In the New King James, Jesus says, Do business till I come. But in the original language, the Lord says, Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. Do business till I come. So we are to redeem the time and not be idle. It's at times like this that the disciples were not yet appointed to preach the resurrection of Christ, they weren't ready. Their commission was still to come. The hour of action was coming. Soon they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and they would receive the necessary power to be witnesses of Jesus all over the world. It could be that Jesus directed them not to say anything about the resurrection until after his ascension and not until after an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We don't know. And remember, they were to begin in Jerusalem because Jesus is going to tell them, wait in Jerusalem. This was just a time of passing. They, they were there, almost like a respite. But rather than do nothing, they would go fishing. Not for recreation, but for business. Like I said, they were hungry. They would catch food and they could eat it. Plus, they would catch food and they would sell it, thus getting money to sustain them even further. Why did I say this? We too are waiting for the Lord's return, aren't we? The Lord has promised us that he would come for us. He promised us in John 14. He promised us in 1 Corinthians 15. And he promised us in 1 Thessalonians 4. And he promised us throughout the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He promised that he would come back for us. This is a promise that we have from the Lord. So what are we to do? What are we to do? We're not going to sit back and eat bonbons and say, well, the Lord's coming. There's no sense I should finish my education. Well, the Lord's coming. There's no sense I should enter into his business venture. Or wait a minute, let's just kind of hang around. I don't want to make any plans because the Lord's coming. Better yet, you got that credit card? Let's go out and charge it to the hilt. The Lord's coming back. We don't have to repay it. No. We're to occupy till he comes. We're to anticipate that he could be here at any moment. Remember, remember, Jesus appeared to the disciples, then he disappeared. Then he appeared to them again, then he would disappear. On and off now, for the next 40 days, he would do this, and he would show himself to over 500 people, constantly appearing and disappearing. They didn't know when he was going to show up. Likewise, we don't know when the Lord's going to come for us. We don't know when the Lord's going to come for us. Do we want to be out doing something that we're not supposed to be doing when he comes? 
But we're to be doing our business, going about our business. We can use our time by serving the Lord in whatever job you're in. Whatever job you're in right now, you can use this time by serving the Lord. We're going to occupy till he comes. We're not just going to sit down and go, okay, Lord, we're all going to go up in the mountain. We're all going to gather in our circle, sing kumbaya until you show up. We're all just going to sit there. We're not going to do anything. We're going to wait and wait and wait, and I know you're going to show up one day. We're called to serve him willingly and obediently. We're to do whatever he calls us to do. We're to be witnesses of him as we walk following Jesus. We're supposed to be loving and, and warn them about the judgment that's going to happen. We're supposed to be joyful to share God's love and his plan of salvation. We want to equip and encourage other believers so that they also can go forward and further God's kingdom. The phrase, occupy till I come, doesn't mean that we're free to live our life according to whatever the priorities we set. Jesus has already set the priorities. He's already set priorities for our lives. Given us until he returns. Have something to show for it. Be like the man who had gotten five talents, the other man who had gotten five talents, and one got one talent. They buried the two with five, doubled it. And Jesus was very happy. But the one guy had one, and he buried it and saved it. Jesus got mad at him. Couldn't you just at least put it in the bank and got interest on it? Wasn't happy. But the other two, they multiplied it as they waited for Christ to return. So Peter's been waiting. He makes his decision to go on a fishing expedition, and the other guys are going to go with them. The other guys said, we're going to go too. So they all jump in the boat. Let's look at the rest of verse 3. They went out immediately, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Zilcho. Nada, skunko, nothing. They didn't have any luck in fisherman's term. It must have been a cold, damp night out on that lake. That's all I can say. It must have been one cold night. They get in the boat and they go off. They fish all night and there's nothing there. They sat out there in that cold, dark night and caught nothing. You know, when you go back to the old life, it's usually dark and cold. Things just don't seem the same anymore. I wonder if they said things like that. Boy, remember the time when we used to catch tons of fish here? Where are they all? I can't believe this. What's going on? Have you ever had a long trip like that out fishing? I have. I have several met too many times. But look at it this way. If they were disobedient, it was dark when they left. And it was dark when they went against the Lord's command. They had entered darkness. Whenever we disobey the Lord's commands, we enter darkness of some form. If you decided to go back to where you come from, know that it's never going to be fruitful. It's never going to be fruitful if you go back to that old life. If you take the new you back and present the new you back there, that's different. But if you go back, chances are you're going to fade back into that old life. You've got to be extremely careful because walking in the dark never will produce fruit, ever. They fished all night and had no success. This is interesting because whether their motives were good or bad, whether Peter's decision was right or wrong, they still didn't catch anything. 
They caught absolutely nothing. And this is what happens when you go off on your own without Jesus. You won't catch anything. He had told them that apart from him, they could do nothing. Even when they were called, even the time in Luke 5 when Peter was called by Jesus to be a fisher of men, it was the same scenario. They had been fishing for a long time, and Jesus said, drop your nets down. And they only lowered one net, and the fish they caught were so much that the nets began to rip and the boat began to sink. We can do nothing apart from Jesus. So here, once again, the disciples are being taught a lesson, a valuable lesson about working for Christ. You know, we need to think about that, that we can do nothing without him. We need to let that sink into our heart and really believe that we can't do anything without him. Nothing. We can't do anything apart from Christ. Any service has to be directed by the Holy Spirit. When I step out on my own to do something and it's not by the Spirit or not being led by Him, I can do nothing. Paul makes it clear in Philippians 4.13 that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And these two go together. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. But we can do all things through His strength. They go together. Jesus called these men to be fishers of men. To be a fisher of men in that day means they were to seek and persuade men to catch the truth. They carried the truth with them. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting to me that most fishermen I know know how to wait patiently for that bite. They know how to persevere in bad weather and fish. They know to be persistent and constantly be there. A good fisherman never quits. These men who operate these boats, they have to cooperate with each other to make the catch. This is a great example of how we should follow Jesus Christ to catch fish for him. Jesus has called us to be fishers of men and women. There are fish everywhere around us. There are fish everywhere we go. They are waiting to be caught. We have the right bait, the love of Jesus Christ. We have the right equipment. We've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we have a beautiful, great net. We have a wonderful net. It's called the gospel, which is the power of God to salvation. That is within our reach. That is what we have. Maybe it's time we went fishing. Maybe it's time we too went fishing. You know, it's, it's a tough time. And it's easy during this time to get discouraged. It's easy during this time to let anxiety filter into your life. I know, I told you, I experienced that last week. It's easy for you to get your eyes off of Jesus. And when you do that, you want to fill that void that you've now created with something else. And usually, always, that something else that you fill it with is not redeeming. We fill it with all sorts of things. Because we have time on our hands. We have this time and we don't know what to do with ourselves. I mean, you can only clean so much. You can only watch so much television. But we need to be looking to Jesus. We need to be looking to him in the midst of this entire virus thing. Because he is still the answer. He still is the answer. 
We need to be praying. Praying that this virus will go away. That people will not die any longer. That nobody else will be infected. That we will be able to continue on gathering saints to him. Continue fishing. We need to be contacting each other and looking at each other and, and worshiping and fellowshipping with each other. Yeah, we can't visit each other like we normally would. But we can still stay in contact. We can still do these things and still stay safe. We can still keep our social distancing. But we want to show the love of Christ. Maybe you can do that in your own neighborhood with your neighbors. You see them out taking a walk, say hello. How you doing? How you holding up? See, God has called us just like he called the disciples. And we have to know that he continues to love us. Jesus is going to do a mighty work even after this bad catch. And as we come into the second part of this teaching, we're going to see a beautiful, beautiful example of the harvest that's still out there. The harvest that still is waiting. So don't get discouraged. Don't let anxiety ruin your day or pull you down. God is still on the throne. God still loves you. God still values you, and he thinks of you often. His thoughts towards you, the scripture says, are more than the sands of the sea. That's how much he loves you and esteems you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. He sent him to a cross, one of the cruelest ways of execution there is. And he hung on that cross and he died. And as he was hanging there, he took the sin of the world upon himself. Because we can't get to God in our sinful state. We can't come to God in our sinful state. There has to be a kinsman redeemer. There has to be someone in between. There has to be a mediator. There has to be someone to be the propitiation for our sins, to take upon our sins so that we can come to God. Because God is holy and righteous. And that's what Jesus did. He took the sins of the world upon himself. And by believing in him, and by trusting in him, we now have a relationship with God. It's been restored. For Jesus has bought us back. He's redeemed us. And the price was his own precious blood. But he has redeemed us to set us free. We're free in Christ. If the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Free indeed. And we're free. Sin no longer has a hold on us. So in this time of craziness, Know that we're all in this together. We're all in the same boat, so to speak. And though it doesn't look like we're catching anything, it doesn't look like we're having a good day, God is still moving mightily. And he's still doing a great work and he still wants to use you. Give someone a call. Text someone. You are The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.